You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Tiffany Manor. Hey. Hey, Tiffany. Thanks for sitting in. Sarah's away. So Tiffany's sitting in to help out with these first few episodes of Mental Health Monday this year. And I am really excited because we have a new book to dig into for Mental Health Mondays. Mm. And this is also in your wheelhouse because you serve in life ministry, which also cares for the whole body, including mental health, right? Yep, absolutely. So we're grateful to have your help during these first few episodes here in Mental Health Mondays. And also thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. You can find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, Dr. Stephen Saunders. He's the Schneider Endowed Distinguished Professor of Psychology at Marquette University. He's also author of Martin Luther on Mental Health, Practical Advice for Christians Today from Concordia Publishing House. Dr. Saunders, welcome to the Coffee Hour. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. We are so grateful to have you alongside us uh, as our guest this during this season to take a look at your new book, Martin Luther on Mental Health, uh, Practical Advice for Christians Today. I'm looking forward to digging into that as part of the series for mental health. Before we even get into that book, tell us a little bit about your background and, and uh, how you serve as a mental health professional today. Sure. Well, my background is I, I grew up Catholic, as most good Lutheran did. And I grew up Catholic. I went to Northwestern University, which is in Evanston, Illinois. That was my undergrad and uh, met uh, the woman who would become my wife. And both of us got into graduate school at Northwestern. So we stayed. I went into graduate school for psychology. I had to become a clinical psychologist. I have a, a doctorate or a PhD in clinical psychology. And, you know, we can talk a little bit about the different mental health professionals. And I have a, I have a PhD, which is one of the three or four versions of getting a doctorate to become a mental health professional. There are, I think, six or seven versions of getting a master's becoming a mental health professional. I, I did a couple of years as a practitioner before, meaning seeing patients. 30 hours a week for individual or couples or occasional family session of therapy or counseling. Those mean the same thing. Therapy and counseling are the same. Psychotherapy is the same as that. Talk therapy, basically. So after that, I, I continue to do research and to publish, which is what academics do. Someone who is a professor somewhere, they're in academia. Um, academic, uh, publish. And so I continued to do that even though I wasn't in the academy and got an offer to join the faculty at Marquette University in Milwaukee with Tonsai, just down the road from Concordia University of uh, Wisconsin. Um, so joined them back in 1994 as an assistant professor and as a clinical psychologist. Uh, I got my clinical degree and then a license first in Minnesota. And then when I moved to Marquette, I got a license as a psychologist in Wisconsin. And so I joined the faculty because they were starting a brand new program, a doctoral program in clinical psychology, just like the one I graduated from five years earlier. And I became part of that training students who are in the doctoral program to become clinical psychologists. And during that time as well, I, I continued to practice on a much smaller scale, you know, much 
five persons a week versus 30 or so persons a week. And, uh, you know, I think it's important to, to you know, to, to do what you teach. And so I was teaching clinical psychology. I was teaching graduate students, but also undergraduate students. Taught a number of different courses to undergrad as well. And so I just really like it. So, so my main, probably the main thing I do is I, I help to run the doctoral program in clinical psychology. Help, I was the director of it for a while, organizing what classes are taught when, by whom, organizing how we evaluate whether students are learning or not, and where, where to send them for, for training and so forth. But, but also teaching the classic teaching in the classroom and continue to do research and progressed in my academic career from assistant to associate professor. And now I'm full professor of psychology at Kent and continue to, to work with the program, both undergrad and grad student. And, and obviously you still write and have um, published multiple books, but your most recent is Martin Luther on mental health. So it would be really fantastic if we could all learn why it was important to you to write that particular book. Well, it was, it was a real pleasure to write. One of the things, you know, you go to college to study, but when you're on the other side of the podium, professor, you continue to study as well. So it was really fun to study about Luther and to write that book. I'll, I'll give the, the short version of the, of a 15 year story, which is, you know, I'm a, as I said, a, a clinical psychologist and um, the family that I married into, uh, I married uh, the daughter of Robert Price, who is one of the better known theologians of the 20th century with, within Lutheranism, but also beyond that. Robert was, of course, a minister, a pastor, college professor. He had lots of he and his wife Donna had lots of children, including my my wife Ruth, and they, you know, many of them became pastors. And but you know, starting I don't know, maybe five years into my career at Marquette, I would get phone calls ever so often, every other month or so, from a pastor brother-in-law, or someone who knew a brother-in-law, or uh, a pastor that I'd met through a brother-in-law, and they would ask about someone in their congregation that they were concerned about or confused about or having, you know, having some difficulty helping and found myself giving advice related to what sounds like this might be an issue of trauma or depression or anxiety or something more serious. And, you know, after about eight years of this, I, I, I started to realize no offense to anyone I gave advice to, but I started to realize I'm not really even listening to the questions anymore. I'm just giving advice because, you know, it's, it, it, you're not, I'm not going to call it basic advice, but it was, you know, you know, it, it, it was advice I'd been practicing, you know, teaching with my own graduate students and undergrads as well. But I found myself giving the same advice you know, this is what this sounds like, and this is how you can help, and this is how you can find out if you're helping, and this is how you refer someone to a mental health professional. And 
10 years of this, I realized I have a book here that, you know, I can, I have a, you know, but between the teaching that I'd been, the formal teaching and this advice giving, I realized two things. First, pastors really are on the front lines of mental health care. You know, if, you know, if you think about it, if someone is struggling with depression or anxiety or their child has anxiety or an illness or, you know, a, a brother or a sister or a parent, a parent who starts to develop dementia, Alzheimer's, you know, they, it, someone, of course, I like to emphasize the word, of course, will turn to that place, which is the source of so much comfort, comfort and joy both, but largely comfort in, especially in times of difficulty, which is their church. You know, the church is where they hear their sins are forgiven. The church is where they bury their parents. They marry their children. They baptize their children. The church is where so many important things happen to people that are so immensely powerful. So, of course, they turn to their pastors. And pastors are, I think we can all agree, pastors are very busy people. Pastors are really good at what they do, and pastors are happy to help to the extent that they can, but they don't have what I have, which is five years of training to become a mental health professional. They have, you know, some, some coursework, of course, and they learn from experience, but often find themselves sort of unsure as to what to do, what I'm seeing. You know, how do I help? And so I, I was giving this advice and I, I wrote a couple of books published by our, our colleagues in Wisconsin Synod, Northwestern Publishing, A Christian Guide to Mental Illness. And one of the books was about how to recognize mental illness. And the other was, what do we do with someone who has a mental illness or a mental health problem? Writing those, I did some research or I actually literally came across some of what Martin Luther had written, written to people who had mental health problems. You know, Luther, you know, digging into it, I came to realize Luther wrote thousands of letters. We, we have thousands of letters that Luther wrote, probably not nearly as many, not nearly all of them. We don't have, we have few that he received, I think, you know, I like to joke that Luther used letters that he got, which must have been many, many. Probably used them for his fireplace, you know, to keep warm in the winter. But anyone who got a letter from Luther kept it. And so we have so many of his letters and so many of them are about mental health problems, depression, anxiety, suicidal thinking, even anger problems. He wrote a letter, you know, saying you need to understand that this man has problem with alcohol, so many words. And the advice that he gave, this is what astonished me. You know, I mean, of course, he was a, he was a pastor. He was a theologian, of course. But even his theology was, it, it was pastoral. It was caring for, for his congregation, for, for the sheep in his congregation, his flock. It was loving them, caring for them. And dedicating every, every ounce of his reserves to, to helping them and including people, you know, at a distance who he wrote to and gave advice and 
what was astonishing is the advice that he gave is the advice that I was giving. It was the advice that I was teaching my students to give. And so I ended up realizing after I finished the first two books, I realized, oh, I've got to write this book about Martin Luther because who's going to listen to me? But maybe they'll listen to him if I tell them what he said. And literally, that was the, that was the impetus for we're talking with Dr. Stephen Saunders of Marquette University and author of Martin Luther on Mental Health. We'll continue the conversation here on Mental Health Monday on the Coffee Hour in just a moment. I'm Eddie Bates. I'm Tiffany Manor. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason to use your God given gifts to help others. To live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world. To live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Showing support for KFUO is now easier than ever. You can sport a KFUO shirt, swag, or even socks by visiting our online store. Go to KFUO.org slash store and order high-quality KFUO-branded merch. You no longer need to wait for our annual share for a chance to show your KFUO spirit. Visually share and wear this ministry out in the world by checking out our selection. Every purchase helps to support our proclamation of Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Go to KFUO.org slash store. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Tiffany Manor. It is Mental Health Monday. Our guest is Dr. Stephen Saunders. He is the the Schneider Endowed Distinguished Professor of Psychology at Marquette University and author of Martin Luther and Mental Health, Practical Advice for Christians Today. Dr. Saunders is a professional clinical psychologist, and he's pleased to offer ideas and suggestions about mental health and mental health problems in these conversations. It's important, though, to understand that while his most important advice is to get professional help when you need it. So nothing said in our conversation today or in future Mental Health Monday episodes should be taken as therapy or treatment or as a substitute for personal consultation with a professional. So we'll continue our conversation here with Dr. Saunders. Dr. Saunders, who do you think, who did you have in mind as you were writing this book, Martin Luther on Mental Health? Who was your your target audience? The, the first two books were really intended for pastors, teachers, uh, deaconess of, you know, the, 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 the professional that might be turned to. Um, this one is, I, it is also for all of those, but also I think for laypersons, I tried to, I tried to make it a bit more accessible because, you know, I mean, Luther was not a, a mental health professional. He was giving advice and like the letters that he wrote were, were very interesting when he, when he was writing the equivalent of a police officer, he was using very firm, strong, militaristic practically language, practically giving this man orders about his depression and his suicidal thinking, you know, whereas with others, with, with the wives of friends, you know, with, with young adults, they're barely out of what we now call adolescent, much more, much more, you know, careful about not being directive or sounding sounding harsh 
So I, I hope that this book is accessible to really anybody who, who would like to read it, layperson, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa. I, I, I hope even adolescents will be able to, to get something out of it. I try to, I really try to weave Luther's story into the book, not just the advice he gave, but also, but also his own personal experience as much as I could, his sense of humor, which, you know, that part of reading his letter was, was yeah, seeing how he was teasing. He loved to tease Catherine, and his wife. He was away off. He wrote a lot of letters, went on a lot of journeys. You know, so we had lots of letters from Luther to, to Catherine. Really should be a phone book someday. I, you know, so I hope, I hope that book will, will, I hope the book will prove useful to really anyone who wants to understand their own myth or who wants to help someone, a friend, family member, who they think might be experiencing some mental health problem. One thing that I love about the book is that it's making Luther accessible really to anyone. So you don't have to be a pastor with a full collection of Luther's works on your shelf, which, you know, a lot of pastors have those red books or congregations, but you're, you're helping anyone access what Martin Luther has written. So that's really fantastic. You know, but there's, there's other things that are, you know, really important beyond what Luther has written for, you know, the reader and the listeners to us today to understand. Could you help us understand, you know, really what, what mental illness is, you know, what's a mental health problem is, if there's a difference between the two of those, you know, even, you know, some risk factors for mental illness and some of those things in a, in a not a full class that you offer to your students, <laughs> but in a few minutes here with, with our, our listeners. Yeah, I, I, I will. I will do my best. And you, something you were implying, didn't quite say it, but I'll just say explicitly, you really do have to be careful about the information that you access. There's a lot of garbage out there. Anyone can say anything to everyone around the world if they have a Twitter account or an Instagram account. And so, so much of it out there is so misguided, sometimes purposefully misguided. Anyway, I, I've used a couple of terms and I kind of use them interchangeably, even though they're not mental health problems and mental illness. Uh, mental illness is really the, the diagnosable, if you will, version of a mental health problem. You know, for example, there's headache. Occasionally I get a headache. I never had, however, had migraine. That's sort of a, a severe version of headaches is migraine. You can actually look up the criteria for a migraine and see what that looks like. Whereas a headache is just, you know, it could be in the front of your head, the back of your head, the around your sinuses and et cetera. So mental health problems, severe mental health problems, if, if a mental health problem gets severe enough, it will be diagnosed as a mental illness or it can be diagnosed really as with any, you know, probably as with any medical or mental health problem, a diagnosis is best done by professional. But easy to find the criteria and say, you know what, I think I might have this mental illness and go talk to someone, go talk with your primary care physician, see a social worker, see a psychologist directly and talk to them about it. Mental illness really, it, it, it 
it's a, there are different types of mental illnesses. There are different categories of mental illnesses. We have schizophrenia, for example, which is not the same as major depression, or which is not the same as generalized anxiety disorder or anorexia nervosa. All of these different mental illnesses, what we call the particular stress or presentation that someone has when they come into our office, is based on what the particular symptom they are having. Symptoms such as persistent sadness, not being able to sleep at night, being easily startled, having nightmares at night about something that you went through. Someone with bipolar disorder, which we used to call manic depression, that person will have periods where they're profoundly depressed, but also periods where they are so-called in a manic state or having a manic episode where they're very happy, very talkative, very energetic to, to an extreme, to a problematic level. You know, they, they drive, maybe drive too fast, spend money that they don't have because nothing can possibly go wrong. So that's, you know, someone with depression doesn't experience the manic episodes. They only get depressed. They have, they have persistent sadness, difficulty sleeping, low self-esteem, feeling the guilt about things that they really shouldn't feel guilty about. Someone with schizophrenia will have perhaps delusions where they're thinking things that are not accurate. For example, a delusion of persecution is the idea that you have and you believe it, which is that other people are trying to hurt you. But if it's not reflective of reality, then they would refer to that as a delusion. They might also experience hallucination where they are seeing things or hearing things, experiencing bodily sensation, perhaps like, for example, feeling like there's something crawling up your leg. Person with schizophrenia will have those particular symptoms. So schizophrenia, delusions, hallucination, depression, sadness, difficulty sleeping. And so the various symptoms will determine which mental illness you meet criteria for. In addition, these symptoms, they cause someone to experience a lot of distress. I mean, depression by definition is distressing. On the other hand, someone with mania, bipolar disorder, or what we used to call manic depression, someone in a manic phase, they're not distressed. They're the opposite of distressed. So the symptom might cause really serious distress, or they might cause the person to be really seriously impaired or what is sometimes called dysfunctional. They're not able to get to work on time you know, concentrate while they're at work. And with depression, it's not uncommon for someone with severe depression to have trouble getting out of bed. Yeah, they spend much of the day in bed. Luther himself did that. Not, not, you know, there were a few episodes of that. It's the famous story of Luther was depressed and laid up in bed for a couple of days until finally Katie appears in his doorway wearing a black dress. And Luther looks at her and says, well, why are you wearing a black dress? And she says, well, I'm in mourning. And Luther said, well, who died? He said, well, God must have died because why else would you be so depressed and lying in bed all this time? 
Luther replied, foolish woman, and he got out of bed. So, you know, so, so the, we have the symptoms that cause distress, that cause impairment, maybe either of those, or maybe both. Someone who's in a manic state, I implied this earlier, someone who's spending a lot of money because they figure, well, I'm going to be making a million dollars in the next week or so because they're in this manic state where they're not thinking clearly. They're practically delusional in their thinking. So mental illness is symptoms that cause distress, impairment, or both. Mental health problems are a little bit less severe, but they're, they're still worth paying attention to. So the difference between someone who is diagnosed with depression and someone who is sad a lot but doesn't meet the criteria for diagnosis is whether they have five of nine symptoms, five or more of the nine symptoms that are listed as being the criteria, or they have maybe only three or four. But if they only have three or four, they don't meet criteria, but they're still distressed. So this is the, the kid that goes to college and maybe doesn't meet criteria for depression, but is shy and she has trouble making friends and calls home unhappy and look, she could use some help. You know, she has a, maybe a mental health problem, but not fully diagnosable mental illness. The, the mom watching a child with autism, you know, watching their child turn from 13 to 14 and they're still profoundly, you still have this profound illness. That mom is going to experience a mental health problem distress on behalf of their child. Do we diagnose her with the mental illness? Probably not. Could she use help? I would say yes, she could. Maybe at least from her church, from pastor or deaconess or from friends who can help her just to, to, to talk with her and sympathize and listen and to be with her in her distress. So back to the, back to the beginning. Mental health problems are, and severe mental health problems are what we call diagnosable mental illnesses. But, you know, that, that, but even though someone doesn't have a full blown diagnosable mental illness, they might still be experiencing pretty substantial mental health problems, which we can help them. Next time, we'll take a look at what can, what are the risk factors? What can be some of the, the things that contribute to mental health problems and mental illness as well? Our guest today, Dr. Stephen Saunders, is the Schneider Endowed Distinguished Professor of Psychology at Marquette University and author of Martin Luther on Mental Health, Practical Advice for Christians Today from Concordia Publishing House. Dr. Saunders, thanks for being our guest on The Coffee Hour today. You're very welcome. Thank you. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Tiffany Manor. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.